You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. It's good to be with you this morning, and it's good to get the opportunity to share with you. Uh, I've been thinking and praying a lot this week. I wrote a whole sermon, and on Thursday I was like, nope, it's all wrong, and I scratched it and started all over again. So um, hopefully we've arrived at what the Spirit of God wants to say to our church today, and I'm just going to trust him that it is. So um, let's pray, and we will get right into it. Jesus, we give everyone and everything to you. You are the source of life. You are the source of goodness. You are the source of inspiration, and you are the source of understanding. And so we invite you, come Holy Spirit. We are here today because we want to encounter you. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts and speak into our lives this morning. Amen. Amen. So we've been reading through the book of Ephesians, and we've been calling this series of teachings Fresh Reformation and Exploration in Ephesians. And right now we find ourselves almost smack dab in the middle of the book. So Ephesians has six chapters, and we're starting on the beginning of chapter three today. So let me read it to us uh, as we begin. He says here, chapter three, verse one, Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. And when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, but has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, of this good news, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. And to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Do you realize what that's saying? That's saying that God has had this plan all along. It's been a mystery to all of humanity. But now he's revealed it to us, the church, uh, through the Holy Spirit. And now we get to school all the angels and demons about God's great plan. Isn't that kind of crazy cool? Yeah, so our living that out to its fullness is we're showing them what God's plan has been all along. I think that's really incredible. Sorry for the side note. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So in chapters 1 and 2, and now in chapter 3, Paul's reminding the churches in and near the city of Ephesus. It's a great city, probably the greatest city in Asia Minor at the time. And then there were lots of little towns around it. And so Paul is in house arrest for like two years. And the Ephesians were a church that he planted. And he really loves them, and he's trying to encourage them. So he writes this letter to them. And it was probably written to them and then circulated to all the churches in and around the city of Ephesus. So that's a little context. We've talked about it in weeks before, but just to kind of get that back in our minds. So he's writing to the churches in and near Ephesus, and he's trying to remind them of God's great plan. This is a city full of Gentiles. So these aren't necessarily the um, just Jewish believers at this point. These are now Gentiles, and he's trying to remind them, like, God's had this plan, and he's used the Jewish people to bring it to, bring Jesus to, it, to us, and now he's opening up this plan for all of humanity, to make one humanity together, one group of people who will inherit all of God's goodness. And so, all of that said, I'd like to zoom in on verses 11 and 12 specifically today, and I'll read those again to us. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has done through Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. In Christ we have boldness, and confident access to God, creator of the universe, understanding, understander of all mysteries. We have access to that very God through Christ, and not just access like, oh, can I, can I please, please, you know, beg to come before you, oh, great one. No, we have bold access. In other places, Paul talks about it like we are firstborn inheritors, so it's like me and the way that I'm able to approach my earthly father. I'm the firstborn, and we firstborns tend to be like leaders and askers and pushers. So I have this bold confidence with my dad, also because he's really loving. But I have this really bold, and so is God the Father, right? So I have this bold confidence when I approach my father for something. And this is what he's saying we all get to do, all of us now. I better stick to the scripture. I'm not going to have time. Okay, so... The problem is with this bold access and this confidence that we should feel we have, oftentimes we don't feel like we do. I, I don't know. Does that, is that just me or are there other people in the room who sometimes feel like maybe you don't have that bold, confident access? Okay, a few, few honest people in the room. Um, the problem is, and this is just as I see it, but the problem is that earth finds itself in brokenness, stuck in sin. Uh, sin that's broken us and it's deformed, deformed, we're talking about reformation, reformation. Sin has deformed our souls and clouded our image of who God is. And I don't just mean the sins that we have done, though I mean those too, but I mean the broken world that we were born into. I mean the imperfect bodies that we all possess. I mean the brokenness that we inherit 
from parents, from grandparents, from the generations before us. I mean evil things that have been done to us in our lives. The brokenness all around us. All of these things are sin, and all of it clouds our ability, whether it's our fault or not, um, to see God clearly. And unfortunately, when we don't see God clearly, our judgment of him starts to get clouded. We can think of him as a scary God or a vindictive God, a God that's afraid to be approached. Even if it's unconscious, there's something in us that, Adam and Eve, you see this instantly in the Garden of Eden. The moment they do the thing that God asked them not to do, they can't walk with God anymore. And it's not because God's like, nope, you can't walk with me. God's looking for Adam in the garden and Adam's hiding. So what is it that changes in us? Sin does something to us that makes us kind of unable to approach God. But the good news that Paul keeps going on and on about is that Jesus is the lifeboat. Jesus is the lifeboat in the sea of darkness and pain in this shadowy mist that we're trying to make our way through. He's like, here I am. Join me. And in Christ. We have boldness and access, confident access to God. Jesus himself in his life demonstrates this. Instead, God's deep love, we see that through his life. We see through Jesus' life a God of mercy, a God of love, a God of healing, a God who wants the best for us. So what is bold, confident access? What does that look like in an everyday life? First, I'd say, again, Jesus is the example, and he is our bold and confident access. When we read about his life in the Gospels, he demonstrates how he was able to boldly and confidently access God the Father, the way that he prayed, the way that he spoke to God. He demonstrates it, but not just because he was able to do that, but because he wants us to be able to emulate the way that he was able to approach God. And Jesus' life, as we, as we watch it unfold, shows us, oh, wait, my picture of God is wrong. The way that Jesus approaches God is right, and I like it. You know, even in Jesus's life, he was able to demonstrate God's love in that we, we don't just see a God that says come, but we do. We have a God that says come, that says come. But he also said, don't just come. You wait there in your own mess, and I will come down to you in human form, live a life among you, just so that you know how much I care to be with you and part of you and walk with you. So I think I just want to pause here and take a moment because I, th I think some of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us get stuck right there on the approaching God with boldness. And he wants us to be able to come to him with boldness. And I want to say it's okay. I think it's human. It's human that we sometimes get stuck at that step. 
but we can ask Jesus. We can ask him to reveal to us in our hearts and in our lives. What is it that's getting in the way of me being able to boldly access you, Jesus? And he'll answer. So what's the point, what's the purpose of access to God? Sometimes in our culture, we get to we kind of grow up feeling like the point of access to God is so we don't go to hell when we die. Like, I got to be good, I got to love God so that I can get to heaven and not hell. But this access to God is not just that. It's so much more than that. And it's so much more immediate than that. The thing is, with sin and the broken world the way it is right now, we're actually already living in a living hell. And Jesus' access, access to God through Jesus, means a way out of that right here, right now, today. Not in some far off time, in a long, long time when we die, but now. Like he wants us to be able to have that now and to walk in that now. And that is really good news. Because when we give our lives to Jesus, he begins healing us. He begins reforming us. That's why we use the phrase spiritual formation here a lot. Because Jesus is reforming our spirits from the broken spirits that we inherited And Jesus begins renovating our lives, usually from the inside out. And he makes us into our best, most alive, most fulfilled, most true versions of ourselves. And that's not for when kingdom comes. That's for now. We can be living in that now. So this renovation of our lives, this reforming of our souls. Yes, first it starts in our souls. But then it starts bubbling out into our life choices. And then it starts bubbling out into our actions. And then it starts bubbling out into our relationships. And we find that our lives are new, reformed. And suddenly we realize, oh, that hell that I was living in, I'm not now. Things have changed. And Jesus' standing offer is to take the broken parts of our very souls and heal them to the freshest, most whole versions of ourselves. Some other translations of this passage use the word freedom rather than boldness. So if we think about that word for a moment, we get freedom We get freedom from the hellish things in our lives. That's the offer. That's the good news Christians are always going on and on about. That's what we're talking about when we talk about fresh reformation. And perhaps that's where some of us are stuck today with this, like really truly experiencing this freedom that we're talking about. Like, yes, yes, I believe in Jesus. And that sounds really nice, Angela, but really truly when I stop and think about it, I don't feel free. And if you don't feel free, like totally 
free. And I'd propose there's probably something in the way of that freedom because the access is available to you. It's being constantly offered by Jesus. He's never turning, turning off the freedom switch and saying, oh, ran out. So if there's something in between you and your freedom, the question is, what might it be? I would really encourage you because many, many of us, we give our lives to Jesus and we experience some freedoms immediately. Uh, Someday I'll tell you my story of that. Um, And I did. I experienced some freedoms from some things immediately the moment I gave my life to Jesus. But (laughs) believe you me, everyone who knows me knows I didn't experience all the freedoms and there are lots of things that I'm still working on with Jesus. And that's part of the journey. That's part of this ongoing journey that we're invited into as we follow Jesus. Yes, we get some of those immediately and right away. And yes, we also get to work on things as we're ready along the way. I'd really encourage you, if you kind of know right, right off the bat what is kind of standing in the way of your freedom, like address that, deal with that. Don't live another day like that. If you're not quite sure, that's what amazing people like um, healing prayer, people who do healing prayer, will pray with you and help pray into some of those areas of your life that you want to experience more freedom. That's what spiritual directors are for, someone who will sit with you and listen and allow you to talk out loud and think out loud and think in the presence of God, and God will help. They sit with you as God help exposes things in your life where you could experience more of the freedom. So we have some really incredible um, ministries here that offer things like healing prayer and spiritual direction. Avail yourself to those, particularly if you're like, I'm not experiencing freedom, but I just can't put my finger on why. Sit with a friend and let them um, help you uncover that. So as we begin to give our lives to Jesus for reformation, or spiritual formation, we, lots of um, believers like to talk about it as a spiritual journey because we haven't arrived. The moment we, we give our lives to Jesus, we haven't arrived. It's the beginning of a great love story, and it's the beginning of a great journey together with Jesus. And we don't always see the whole path of our lives laid out before us. And if we think we do, we're going to be really surprised a few times at least. But Jesus promises to walk with us down the road in the ups and downs. And there will be ups and there will be downs. And there will be potholes and there will be speed bumps. But the beauty of being able to walk with Jesus along those is when you hit that speed bump and you experience like, oh, geez, I thought I was healed from that. I am not experiencing freedom, and that speed bump just helped me remember that. Then you can turn and go, okay, Jesus, let's keep on walking together, and let's figure out how to access that freedom. And one of the gifts that he gives us is not just permission and access to walk with him and to approach God the Father. He also gives us the church. He also gives us the body of Christ. We need fellow journeyers. We need fellow journeyers to keep the faith with. We all do. 
even if we think we don't. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I am the introvert of introverts. If you think you're an introvert, I will beat you in an introvert contest, I promise. <laughs> I'm not competitive, not one single bit, but I promise you, I'll beat you with that. I lose every game I ever play, but I'll never lose that game. No, but truly, if I can stand before you with all the shame of my shyness and introversion and say, I need you. I need you, church. Even when I think I don't need you, I need you. And even if I think crawling under a rock would be a lot more life-giving to me, I still need you. We need a journey together. And there are many ways that churches do that with and for each other. That's the power of the church. That's why God gave us the church. Sometimes we, yes, it's great, we're walking with Jesus, but gosh, I need a hug. And Jesus gives me spiritual hugs, sure, all the time, but sometimes I need a touch hug, you know? And that's what the church does for us. You are literally the hands and feet of Jesus in those moments for each other. And like I said, there's many churches in the world and many different ways of journeying together, which is great. I think different people need different things and probably need different churches with different styles to journey together, as long as the churches are doing it. I think it's really great. But I want to take some time this morning to talk about the way that we talk about this here at Vineyard Augusta. And as Reese mentioned during plugs this morning, we've recently begin talking about a vineyard growth pathway. And I would say kind of up front, this isn't new. This might be new language. You might be kind of hearing this for the first or second time or something like this. But it's just putting some deliberate language to an ethos that this church has always had. And it's putting into place some really deliberate moments and opportunities and spaces to journey together even more intentionally. So if you were walking with Jesus, you were on a lifelong journey with him. And if you're sitting in a seat here today or watching on Facebook Live, you are, your journey and our journey is colliding for a while. And that might mean for one service, that might mean for one year, that might mean 40 years. 35 plus, 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 plus from here on out. And while your journey overlaps with ours, we'd like to take and invite you to take the opportunity to walk with us intentionally and deliberately. Reese read this verse from Ephesians 2.10 a couple weeks ago. It says, God has created us in King Jesus for the good works that he prepared ahead of time. As a road, we must travel. And so we like talking about this journey and our um, time together as a growth pathway, part of the pathway on this lifelong journey. And I would say coming into a new church isn't the easiest thing. Anybody here for the first time this morning who wants to identify yourself and say, yes, this is really awkward, especially when the speaker wants me to raise my hand. 
coming into a church is foreign. If anything else, it's new. There's new people. It's a new space. You're not sure where the restrooms are. You're not sure if people will, like, like you or are they wearing masks and do I need to wear a mask? You know, there's all sorts of uncomfortable barriers just to get in the door. And so we want that to be the hardest part. (laughs) Everything after that should be easier because we can't fix that part. But as soon as you get in the doors, we want you to feel warmly welcome and seen. And so we want to make really clear on-ramps for people who are coming in. And if you're new here, I would just like to say, welcome. We're really glad you're here. We really want you to be a part of this community of faith. We hope that you will find ways to connect individually and deeply here. We also want those of us who have been here a long time, to be able to continue to engage deeply. To continue to find ways to serve with others, not just to serve for serving's sake, although sometimes that's good, just as a spiritual discipline. But service in its best forms helps you feel more alive. And we don't do it to feel good per se. We do it because Jesus did it. And he's our example. But we want you to be able to find ways that inspire you and ways that are life-giving, people to grow with, who get you, who love you, who challenge you to keep growing and keep going deeper and keep pressing into the more of Jesus. And when I say more, I don't mean the more like do more. I mean the more like experience more. There's more of Jesus and his goodness and his fullness than any of us have ever experienced in our lives before. I don't care if you're 99 and been following Jesus since you were born. There's more. So you've heard us use the term growth pathway, but we haven't ever just from the stage sat down and kind of talked it out. So I'm going to try to hit some of these points kind of briefly, but so that you feel like the whole thing has just kind of been laid out for you. Um, so, if, yep, there's the, the um, kind of a little bit of a, a pathway. These are stepping stones along a pathway. This is not a machine that we want to, like, turn people through and get you to some place on the end. This is just like a, a, a way to access a path that you might choose to become part of. So your faith journey begins or began to overlap with ours the first time you visited Vineyard Augusta. For some of you, that's today. For some of you, that was 20 years ago. Try to think back for a moment to the first time you walked in these doors. That was your step one. And then the second of the stepping stone for us is connection. We invite you to open yourself up to new relationships with others at Vineyard Augusta. And if you've been here any length of time, think about the first time you made that, took that risk to start making connections here. If you're new, the easiest way to kind of begin that part of the step, fill out a connect card, fill out an everyone gets to play card, turn it in in the back, whew, you're, you're kind of, you're, you've begun the step. Now it's on us to reach back and to say, hi, we're glad you're here. How can we help you feel connected and get involved? 
Which leads me to stepping stone number three. Inviting all of us to identify God's current activity in our lives. So take a personal assessment of our lives. What is God doing in our lives right now? And you can do this on your own, and some of you are just acutely aware of where God's got you and why he's got you there, and that's fantastic. Some of us are feel a little less sure, and it might be nice to talk that out with someone. So that's what Reese mentioned when he was talking about trail guides. Someone, a pastor or a long-term leader of the church who kind of knows all the things that are available here to you and for you and can sit down with you and ask you some really good questions in a one-on-one setting and just listen for an hour and help you co-discern and maybe recommend some next steps for you as you get connected and involved here at the church. And really fun thing, uh, trail guys have um, some really fun assessments and some tests and quizzes. I don't know who's into that. I'm kind of into that. I find it kind of fun. So like questionnaires about like your spiritual gifts assessment, or they'll sit down with you and just talk through the everyone gets to play card. It's a long list. When you open that thing up, it's a kind of bit intimidating, especially if you don't know what all those things are. So someone who will just take time to sit down with you and explain what those are and a little bit about what they might involve and who you can connect with in order to be part of it. Um, There's also a spiritual life assessment. So in our journeys of faith, there's different stages of our journeys of faith. And in these different stages, we have different needs. And we're not always aware, totally aware of what those needs are. So that's a really cool assessment that helps you kind of find where you are in your your stages of faith and then identify what what the needs are that you have and what the needs are that you, you like, what you need to give as well. But don't let those intimidate you. I think that they're really fun, and that's what the trail guides are kind of there to help you discern and decide. Like, how do you, it's very for you. It's very tailor-made to what you want in that um, time together. So if you've been at this church or if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you're probably already walking along steps four and five. So let's talk about those. Stepping stone number four is formation and service. And this is where life is really lived out with others. This is where we um, invite you to be intentional about specific contexts for your own formation and for service to find people who are your traveling companions. Because I love you. This is a fantastic church full of people. I look out, my heart is warmed. Sometimes I'm like a little bit speechless when I stand up and look at your faces. Um, but we, this is a lot of people to walk with. And so sometimes God helps us kind of narrow that down a little bit. Like who are my close traveling companions and who are people like a little further ahead of me in the caravan. But I need to know who my close traveling companions are. And that's, this is step four, where we're finding those and walking with those people. So if you're already in step four, you will feel like you can answer these two questions. Who am I being formed with? And who am I serving with? So who am I being formed with? Would we like the people in your small group? I was in a fantastic small group this summer with a fantastic group of people who were my traveling companions for the summer. And I just found their company so deeply meaningful and the ways that they shared their life stories and opened themselves up, like truly vulnerably to each other. Like it was so 
powerful and encouraging for me. I need that. They were the people I was being formed with this summer and continue to now because now our relationships are even deeper. And so we continue to walk together even if we're not still in that same small group. And then the other one is, who am I serving with? Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And if we're his disciples, we are doing the same. We're serving others. And there's many opportunities for that here. Food pantry, teaching in kids' church, the connect team. A trail guide can help you if you're kind of trying to figure out, like, yeah, I really do. I want to do something intentional. I want to have something, an area of this church where I really am serving. That, and, but I don't know what. That would be a great opportunity to sit down with a trail guide. And then this brings me to step number five, multiplication. So along the spiritual journey, at some point, we start to kind of think of ourselves um, with some level of spiritual maturity. I think that's good. It's healthy. It's natural. And I'm, I'm a gardener. So what do mature plants do? They set seed. What do mature animals do? They procreate, right? What do mature humans do? They do the same. What do mature believers do? Mature believers also have like a next generation that, um, that they are like giving to. And so this is where we would invite you to begin investing in other journeyers, maybe newer journeyers within your particular area of ministry that you're already involved in. That's why our small group leaders invest in apprentices. That's why our School of Kingdom Ministry grads are invited to come and help come back and help and teach and lead prayer. At any stage, you can help someone in the stage behind you. But I challenge you, those of you who are mature Christians in the room, don't retire. You can retire from your jobs. Hallelujah, do that. But don't retire from being part of this pathway with us. We need you. We need you. So, this brings me to, it's not a step, but it's a loop back. And this one really excites me. Because I've never, ever heard of a church that does this in such a deliberate way as we're starting to try to do. So, it's really normal. And it's where you see step five, and then you see this loop back to step three. So, it's normal. Really healthy and an extremely common pattern of spiritual formation that if we've been walking with Jesus long enough on the journey, we come to a place where we feel a little stuck. Totally normal. Don't panic. You're not broken. It's actually a sign of maturity and growth sometimes. Even though it doesn't necessarily feel that way because you feel like, oh my goodness, I feel so disoriented in this season of my life and in my faith and in my beliefs and the things that I used to do don't feel like they're quite working for me anymore. And so this is the important feature of the pathway um, is that you get an open invitation to loop back to step three. This isn't a reversion. This is a like cycle. A beautiful cycle. Step three, step four, step five, 
when you feel like you need it, step three, step four, step five, and all of those things can kind of be happening at the same time. This isn't like a, a hard and fast formula. These are just opportunities that we're trying to help identify for you. So that would be a great time in your life to meet with a trail guide and go through a reassessment of your stage of faith. And you may discover that God is inviting you to something new. And that's why things were feeling a little bit flat, because he wants them to feel a little flat, so he can help get you to the next thing. In churches today, particularly in the West, lots and lots of people are leaving church. Because they get to this stage of faith, and they feel like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do. This isn't working for me anymore. Or I have all these questions, and for a long time I could go on faith, but now they're just nagging at me. And I need a space to talk about these without feeling like a blasphemer. And people are leaving church because of this, because they don't feel like there's a safe space to do this. But what I'm telling you really excites me about our church is there is. Like we want this to feel normal. We want this to feel like this is a normal phase, stage of the journey. And we want to like celebrate that and give you space for that. Some people call this like deconstruction. That's fine. You can call it that. You don't have to call it that. Some people are really scared of that word. I'm really not because I've been through it. <laughs> and I know what it's like. And I needed a safe space to do that and to be doing it, do it really, really honestly. And I thank God I had it because it didn't force me to leave the faith in order to explore more deeply the questions that I had. And so I just, church, this is really incredible. Like it's really incredible to have a church that says we want to do this and make space for this in people's lives. Like I've never actually heard someone from a stage ever say that in any other church I've ever been part of or listened to online or anything like that. Not that other churches aren't doing that. There probably are, but it's not really common. And this is really special. And I think it's unique to this time. And I think it's God ordained that God is allowing us and allowing the leadership of our church and allowing the pastors in our church to not fear this word deconstruction, but to say like, hey, let's talk about it. Let's make space for it. Meet with a trail guide. Meet with a spiritual director. This is normal. Let's go through this together. Sorry, this is clearly my soapbox. I'm going to move on. Like I said, I was deeply blessed to go through that stage of my journey with people who let me and gave me space for it. And I would say, if you're going through it right now, take heart. Press into God. Instead of running from church, stay put, hold tight, and find someone safe, like a trail guide or a pastor or a spiritual director who will sit with you for as long as it takes. So the growth pathway is how we're talking about being a church together and walking through stages and steps of our faith and doing that together in community and doing it with intentionality. Other churches do this and they have their own ways of doing that, and I think that that's fantastic too. But I would invite you, if you consider this your church, to identify where you are on these stepping stones along the path and then continue to engage with them. This is meant to, for everyone. It's meant for all of us. And it's meant to be a way to just deeply and meaningfully engage here. So worship team... Let me